0: Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb and Brian. Yes. Do you want to say "I told you so"? I I don't on get to anything? say. I don't do you need to
1: say "I told you so"? I, I mean, you can say that to me. I think if you if
0: you would like to, I don't I don't feel like I have any. Why would I do that? That's not something that I would normally do, Brian. And I'm hurt and offended. Okay.
1: I, I mean, I don't know. I I don't think I. Let's let's talk about our our, our news items here, and then <laughs> <laughs> then we'll work through it all. About I'm
0: that? I'm kidding. This is not the we don't have an I told you so weekly update on the podcast. Although you know maybe we should but start
1: start that section. That'd be real popular. Probably put that at I'm the end sure. so people can turn it off.
0: <laughs> but I'm, so if we were trying to uh, generate outrage, like yeah. the the anger clicks, yeah, yeah, uh, on our podcast, I mean we could do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely, especially like this past week's news, it, it would be pretty easy to do that. But, uh, you know, I, I I think about sometimes the best version of the podcast. I don't think the best version of the podcast is the one that generates the most interest, actually. I think the best version is one that is just like uh, fair and balanced. And so... We, we won't chase those clicks. We'll be just our usual analytical selves and take things as they're presented to us.
0: But I, it depends on how you define best, though, right? Because best is maybe the best product for, you know, being informative, maybe entertaining if people somehow enjoy us. I don't know. But as far as the actual viewership numbers and people wanting to click on it every week, like. Do those not factor into quote unquote best?
1: Here's how I'm going to define best as a creator. I think I think this is how all creators should define best. Make the thing that you would want to consume. Yeah, I I just think that's the only way to do it. That doesn't leave you like chasing your tail and chasing money. And because there's so many outside factors that will always drive your content. Like, should I be chasing click? Should I be? Uh, I don't know how we're on this topic. This feels completely separate from everything. But regardless, when I go back to making the best version of my stuff, it is the stuff that I want to consume over and over and over. That's what I turn to the stuff that has a purpose. And it's why, like, some of my most popular articles, I think, are not what I consider my best articles. They're just like balancing acts that are designed to get as much engagement as possible. But I always try and sprinkle in some of myself in that. Right. Like even when I'm doing a clickbaity top 10 list, I try and do it in a way that appeals to what I would want to read. And to be honest, I like top 10 lists. Like I I know they're clickbaity, but I still enjoy them. So uh, I think there's some merit there too.
0: What if the only content I like to consume is Ponzi scheme adjacent? Uh, (laughs)
1: I I don't have any help for you.
0: (laughs) Should I should I go ahead with making that content? That's that's the advice I'm getting. I I guess (laughs) if that's the type
1: of person you are, like, you'll probably be able to surround yourself with those people. And uh, yeah, got it. Bold. You can can live with those consequences. Go for it.
0: Bold new life direction. (laughs) Anyway, banned and restricted announcement. you mentioned before the cast. Why are we why are we dealing in R's? Anymore, not, not
1: a lot of ours these days, I, but we still call it BNR And uh, but if
0: but if we called it the BS announcement, that would not that be would great. Fit. No, that would be it would, would fit, great. it would be accurate, but it would not be great.
1: There's less BS in this announcement than there has been in the last few. I'll, I'll say that I think this is a trending away from BS. Okay, in the this, is, B&R. this
0: is one of those things where, uh, like the world's payout, for example, where. They reinstate the payout and everyone's like, yeah, good job, wizards. Like you're you're so awesome, Wizards. We love you. We knew you cared about the people. And it's like they try to take it away in the first place, right? Like them, them reinstating it doesn't now make them good. So I don't know. Th- this announcement is like kind of these things shouldn't have happened in the first place in a lot of instances, right? So it's like, oh well, now they're they're finally getting suspended, or uh I don't know, altered somewhat, and it's just like, well, we shouldn't have done this in the first place.
1: Yeah, there's that argument to make. Uh, I was talking more about like the wealth of information, or uh, wealth is generous.
0: There, I, it's a good amount of information. information.
1: No, you're right about that. You are. Uh, there is still some BS to be found, though. We'll again, we'll get to it all.
0: All right, start with uh, historic, and in a couple weeks there is a PTQ level format or uh, tournament on arena that is the historic format so yep. this is relevant this is good timing i think it gives people enough time to figure out uh the brand new landscape of the format and everything so i like that uh for historic Bolt's trickery is banned in historic uh not not gonna mess around with the s on this one no suspended memory lapse is suspended brainstorm is now banned shocker uh, from suspended no one could have seen that coming nobody it's just um,
1: who th- who knew <laughs> brainstorm would be good it's just almost impossible
0: well so we're like why are they even suspending it they're just gonna ban it and then they with Timbal's trickery they're just like no we're just gonna ban this so i i approve of that but it, again i guess it kind of calls into question like why are you suspending memory labs why don't you just ban that too
1: good question I don't, I don't know what the suspended list does i mean like it's it started as an interesting idea uh it hasn't delivered i would wrap it up no yeah,
0: they're it. just kind of like, eh, hey, maybe, you know, but yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, So we didn't we didn't get wild cards from suspended stuff, right? No, you get it when it's actually moved to the ban list. Dude, I'm about to be rich. Got yeah, brainstorms, trickeries.
1: Eight wild cards, eight big ones headed to your account, I believe. So I, I just opened up
0: another color parent standard. That is just what happened right now.
1: That's true. Got eight dual lands. Lands? Yeah. Big deal for you.
0: Also, five digital only cards are being rebalanced. Davriel's Withering and Davriel's Soul Broker's third ability now only affect target creature and opponent controls. Good change. Also, probably should have started with that. I get that it's extra text, but why would you want to do that to your own creature unless you're up to no good?
1: It's a good safety valve. We've talked a lot in the last few weeks about safety valves, how important they are, how they're being slowly reinstated. Uh, they they skipped it on the digital cards. And this is, this is how you do it. Good safety valve keeps things simple.
0: Yeah, like it. Uh, Faceless agent, now a 2-2 from 2-1. I had to look up what this card does. Yeah, this is not going to move any needles, I don't think. It's a three mana, I believe, colorless changeling yes. yep. that uh, does the weird tutor thing for a creature in your deck or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that could matter in some spots. I I don't think what was holding this card back, though, is the lack of a second point of toughness.
0: No, but it helps, right? It's like, well, we thought that this card was going to see some amount of play. It isn't. And maybe if we just gently nudge it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm cool with the adjustment. I, I really have no beef with it.
0: It's fine. Yeah. fine. Uh, Sarkin Wanderer to Shiv's. Uh, see, I, I'm, i like, saying it really weird because I don't know, like, what is part of the card or whatever. <laughs> I don't know when the card is. Yeah, Sarkin Wanderer to Shiv, I believe, is the Planeswalker, now that I've read the sentence. Uh, anyway, that thing's second ability is now plus 1 from a plus 0. That's the thing that puts a Shiv and Dragon into your hand. Yeah. And Subversive Acolyte now costs 1B instead of BB, and that's, like, the weirdo 2-2 two two that becomes something else and then a forex indicator. Yeah, so
1: I already thought that card was pretty good and didn't have to be digital. Uh, it's much better now and should, I, I think, see some amount of play. I don't know well, where. I don't think it has like a set home, but it, it's a good card.
0: It's it's basically a figure of destiny, ascendant spirit. Yeah. You know, th- things along those lines. And With a very good type. Yeah, true. Uh, and it it being like double black, Definitely, I, I want to say like closes the door from a lot of archetypes, but it, it definitely makes it harder to justify playing it in in Rakdos or Orzhov or, yep. or things like that. So I, it, again, if this is a card that you're like, oh, we want to see constructed play or we expected to see constructed play, making this change definitely makes sense. Even if maybe it's not super flavorful for it to be one B versus B.
1: Right. Doesn't really call out the Phyrexian nature of the card.
0: Yeah, but Negator was two and a B anyway, so. Oh, that's true. That is true. I feel
1: like Negator is kind of like the outmoded version of Phyrexians. Like that's the the old school way before we really fleshed out the flavor a little more. But but still, it it's certainly an iconic one and you can call back to it uh, and be close.
0: Yeah. Uh. So digital only cards getting altered, I think is definitely good. I definitely do not like how and I, I mostly skimmed this. But I don't even think that they mention that they're not giving wild cards.
1: Or- nope. I think that was very purposeful because I if you're gonna make adjustments like this, it's it's just like there is a metagame for how online TCGs deal with these things. And you can argue about whether it should be done differently or not. But regardless of your personal feelings, it's very clear the playbook is out there in Hearthstone in dozens of other games that have come after it. And it's you, not like
0: it's not like Hearthstone's economy was like widely lauded as, oh, this is the best thing to be doing. Certainly not. Not you regarded know? as hyper generous or anything. Right. And th- that's the thing that I'm, I'm getting
1: to. There's this playbook every single time Magic has the opportunity to do the one that just generates more buy in, eats up more wild cards. That's what they choose to do every single time. Yeah. And at some point it's like, you know, enough's enough. Like if you rebalance a card in the digital TCG space, you give back wild cards. Basically, every other game does this. Magic does not. On top of that, it's the the most expensive one of all these TCGs. It's the one like that demands the most upkeep, the one that is most affected by bans. I think because of the way they do these policies, the one that has zero dusting. So once you get these cards, you are stuck with them. That's just not how anyone else would handle this. And it's another example of Arena being a a really aggressive monetization take, especially when it comes to the most enfranchised players like you and I. I think there's some upsides to arena when it comes to -to free-to-play players and maybe people who fall somewhere in the middle i I think it's an okay program as far as its generosity goes uh certainly not among the best but acceptable when it comes to you and i we just get hosed repeatedly
0: yeah i mean that that generosity comes with like you must dedicate x amount of of hours.
1: hours sure and i think that's like a free-to-play game that's all of them. There's not there's not many that give you everything without giving a bunch of hours back to it.
0: No, I know, I know. But I'm just saying like it's a lot. Like a it lot, is. a lot. It is. It's not as bad as like some stuff where it's like, oh you didn't log in today, therefore you're like a week behind now or whatever. Right. You know, it is if you want to play like every other day and try and keep up or whatever, you could very much do that. So you know pros and cons. But uh these last three cards were buffed i mean you could maybe argue for a subversive acolyte in your black devotion deck or whatever but for the most part these last three cards were buffed but for the davriel stuff like Dav- davriel's withering not really a big deal it's a it's a common or uncommon I don't davriel
1: soul broker is the one that rubs me the wrong way
0: soul is a mythic and it was feeding a combo deck that isn't in line with normal things, right? Like if you yeah. had to craft Gabriel's Soul Broker to build your deck, you probably had to craft some other weird stuff too. Yeah. I mean, Meat Hook Massacre comes well, to mind as another card. I'm I mean, that's- Thankfully good and standard. Yeah, but. that's a that's just a fine card, right? Yeah. So I, I think that that is okay, but I don't know, man. It's it, it's already pretty bad when, you know, say you ban, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a good example kind of in the, you know- time warp or whatever mm-hmm. sort of vein where it's like, you know, there's music's mastery, uh, ultimatum deck that had a bunch of time warp. It's like the super weird deck, right? And it's like you, you absolutely obliterate that deck by getting rid of this one piece. And the, the recompense for that is like, Oh, you get some time warps back or whatever.
1: Some, some right. mythic, not wild all cards. the other worthless pieces surrounding it.
0: Right. And I really don't think that they should be, uh, Making it so players don't want to engage in that sort of behavior, like try out new things, like craft new cards, you know, like I, I'm not saying that they should just get like a full refund on their deck or anything. But in the very least, you should give them some mythics to cover the daff reels. Right. I, I agree.
1: I, I think there's a good argument to be made that like bans should get paid on a two for one basis. I, I really think so. Like. I don't think that's overly generous. Now, granted, given all the bands they have been, they would hear that and be like, we're giving away a lot of wild cards. And I'm I'm sure they would pause. Well, here's some incentive to get it right. I mean, if the mistakes aren't being made at that level, you, you make more money. And I think everyone benefits from that kind of arrangement when there's a little bit more onus on these designs to get it right and not really unbalance things, maybe more attention has to be paid and we end up with a better product and people are happier with the economy. I don't know. It it does feel predatory. This is the spot where like, if I wanted to make the really like appealing in terms of clicks version of this podcast, I act just outraged over the moon and we have to burn this down. I'm just like disappointed again. And it lumps in with a bunch of other disappointments about the arena economy. And it's not going to be the thing that stops me from playing. And I'm still going to craft cards all the time and spend too much money on it. But I don't know. You just want to ask for more, right? And hope that at some point they're like, yeah, we've taken enough and we can give back here.
0: Okay, check this out. I scrolled three lines up and saw Tybalt's Trickery, which is actually the perfect example. Fair. Right? Because that card gets banned. You get your four wild cards. Well, what about whatever, Ulamogs and Ugins and the mana base and all the nonsense that you crafted along with it,
1: right? Yeah, and there there was a lot of nonsense in that deck, so that that is a good example.
0: Right, so, I mean, technically, those cards are still playable. I mean, they're not, right? They don't show up in Tier 1, Tier 2, even Tier 3 decks, really. So, not so much. But, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that's always been kind of a sore spot with stuff like this, but it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. So,
1: what about? I'm getting away from the dollars and cents of all this. What about what this does to the format? I mean, I don't think Tybalt's trickery is really exerting that much influence on the format at this point. But you can argue that Memory Lapse was probably the most important card in the format.
0: It was in all of my decks. I will say that. I don't think that I'm the average arena player, and certainly I played against decks that did not have Memory Lapse in it. But they should have good God, that card is nice. Yeah. Uh, it, it dramatically changes things, but it, it's also kind of weird because I've been playing, you know, not as much standard as, as I've been playing, but like a decent amount of historic, trying out some new stuff with, uh, the jumpstart cars and everything and yep. preparing to make content for next week for this upcoming historic PTQ and everything. And like, Laps plus Archmages Charm is just, it's like, you know, the old extended decks that had like counterspell and force of will. Like you're just a brick wall. Like yep. no one is getting anything through of relevance. And then it's like, oh, they they slip something through. Well, I guess I after like Wrath of God or Fatal push or whatever. So that opens the doors a little bit, which is nice. And uh for tempo decks, uh, you know, I saw some like Delver decks that look pretty good, and I I played with some of them and I don't think those decks can exist without memory lapse, right? Right. So blue is getting significantly weakened. I think it is still very good, but it mostly just puts it closer in line with everything else in the format, which is just dramatically a good thing.
1: Yeah. So I agree with like 95% of that. Oh no. Here's, what did I do wrong? Well, here's the one thing that I continue to believe is an outlier in historic that can't be here forever because you'll always be balancing around it. It's the John sacrifice stuff. And I think what these blue cards did was get all of these decks on the level where they were starting to be able to compete with that strategy, which was just uh, better than everything else, quite frankly. And after the print of these cards, there was a good argument that these decks had caught up. But now you've taken away brainstorm, you've taken away memory lapse, I think it just leaves the Jun decks on a power level different from everything else that exists. And given the finicky nature of Jun's gameplay, I don't love that. I really think like as a long-term problem for historic, this is one that we could have dealt with a while ago and the format would have been better off for it as to where things stand. Now. I, I think those decks have a big edge. I think a lot of what had been popping up recently uh, you know combo-ish type stuff is really hard targeted by the jun stuff. I'm thinking of creature combo in particular. So Scurio, whatever you want to do, however you want to put it together. Uh, most of those decks had moved past Vesper Lark anyway, and I think correctly so, but they're all kind of dogs to these Jun strategies. And I am worried about how much of the metagame Jund eats up without the blue decks able to keep pace with it. I think it just sits on a tier alone at the moment it's tier zero and that's at the moment there's certainly enough new cards where you can look at all this stuff but i know like during the hopeful period of jumpstart all the deck building i was doing a lot of it was predicated on the idea that if jund is around this does not work
0: we are building different factions of the format my friend probably I think,
1: true
0: uh again this, this is like ladder play right so i i would like to actually sit down and you know play you for example with uh is it phoenix or azorius control or uh mono red dragon rages or madness mana Gorger phoenix type of stuff because my experience with those decks has been the, like the Jun matchup is fine and it didn't seem like it was wildly out of control or anything
1: okay yeah you you're right you're you're working on a different axis of the format and that is fair those decks are probably playing tighter than the stuff that is like creature comboy You know, Esper Sentinel, humans, anything that's just playing to the battlefield really hard. But you see like the squeeze in that, right? I do. No, I do. You want to have more battlefield play incentivized. And if John is just eating up that entire portion of the metagame, eh, I I don't love that.
0: Well, now now you have Mono Red, baby. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's, That's super good, right? Uh yeah, I don't, I don't. know about that. I think like I think the format's in an okay place. I just when we're playing with the brakes off and are sculpting things to be exactly how we want them to the extent that like we're changing the mana cost of this card that we clearly planted because we wanted it to matter. I would not have cat oven stuff be part of the format, and I would just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I also think that I don't know unholy heat expressive iteration type of stuff is also just going to be very detrimental to the success of random creature decks anyway. True. So I, I don't think it's fair to place all of that squarely on Jun's shoulders, but I, I definitely agree with you that having those things in the format suppressing what would otherwise be, you know, like, Fun, healthy additions to the format is not a good thing. Yeah, so, think about
1: like how many interesting tribal decks there are. Yeah. Right? There's like goblins, humans, elves, all these things. Merfolk, Merfolk's and then, actually pretty good. And, and, like, now,
0: and now we have Faceless Agent just as an absolute beast at a 2 2.
1: So it's in everything. You yeah. play it everywhere. All the tribal decks are better now. Uh yeah, but you you get the picture. Like there's yeah, there's a certain portion of the metagame being beat up. It's it's fine though. I, w- I will let this one shake out and uh see what these new adjustments do to the format. There's gotta be some churn here because the cards are too powerful not to kind of rebalance. And also the format doesn't get the level of focus that is really conducive to solving a format. It's just not played in like a big tournament setting and ladder is not going to solve any format. So
0: are you sure? Mhm. Have you done the math? Have you done your own research? Yes.
1: Yes, okay. I have done my own research.
0: Okay, well, if you've done your own research then I trust you.
1: Well documented.
0: Yeah. Uh anything else you want to say about the the BS list, the BS announcement? No. Well, yeah. I standard, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so I am
1: I am banned from talking about bans and standard anymore. I banned myself from doing so. Nice. So I will just say, this is the world we live in. I accept this decision. I don't think it's even like hard wrong, which is one of the things that gets lost in these Twitter arguments. I I felt there should have been Alren's epiphany bans. Uh, To what degree was I sure that was the correct thing to do? Like 65, 35? And I think both the decision to ban and decision to not ban have costs that come with them. And I don't really fault anyone for falling on the no ban side. I think you can play it out, see what happens. And, uh, that's a fine approach. I would have done it differently, but since this is where we are, I accept it. I'm cool with it. And, uh, we're going to talk more about what to play in standard based on where we stand right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we have four playable decks, so that's up, that's up from two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, two of them are like what very 15, similar 15 cards different or something. But yeah. regardless, uh, I don't know if you like extreme polar opposite ends of a format, then this is the format for you. Uh, Modern players, I feel like you would maybe appreciate this standard format. Maybe games and, aren't bad. I, th- I think the games are like a lot of them are very good. Yeah, it's. I feel like the thing that's missing is like, oh, I don't even have this sort of card available to me that could potentially swing this matchup or whatever. And that's kind of annoying. It's like, well, okay, yeah, the games are fine. But like, if I were able to tune my deck and include this card, then... The, the games would feel better. It feel like I have actual agency and I'm actually doing something as opposed to just like I don't know. The games play out fine, but like you're, you know, you don't really have any agency. I guess.
1: What's interesting is that the decks that I have uh, gravitated towards during this format are, <laughs> are the, the ones, the non-agency ones. Well, no, I I would say actually. So I started on non-agency ones, and now I've floated to ones where I feel like customization of sideboard slots is. It's big. It it matters. And it's not that you have good options. It's just like right. having the best options and having a plan is worth a lot. Uh, again, I'll save it till we talk hard standard, which we are going to do at the end of this. Episode.
0: Yeah, I agree so. with that. They just don't make it
1: easy on us, you know? They, they don't make it easy, which is okay. I mean, I, I think that makes it interesting. And like I said, I don't hate the standard format. I think it is solid. I just wanted a great standard format. I thought we needed a great standard format. I, mean, I don't think this is it.
0: I wonder what would have happened if Crimson Vow were like a month or two out.
1: I don't know. That's a good question. And I my biggest hope is just like I don't want to head into Crimson Vow preview season and be like, this doesn't matter because these cards exist. I, yep. I really hope that's the case. It is. So that's,
0: but it's got to it's be
1: the it's already the lens. It has to be the lens at which we look at this yes. new set. So Agreed. things have already been altered by that.
0: It is interesting, though, because all of this Twitter discourse and then worlds happened. And then the two deck it was like the best possible scenario for them where like the two decks that met in the finals were ones that people weren't really talking about, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like they're, they're old decks, you know, so that wasn't super exciting or whatever, but it, it didn't make it look not as bad as it actually is. It
1: it did on the surface, but when you go back to like the actual principles, it was an Alarion's Epiphany deck versus a aggro deck that had to warp. I know. To hey, Agro decks, flashing counter spells. I know. Right. Like that's that's it. That's the argument. It's either hyperlinear aggro deck, flashing counter spells, Alarion's Epiphany, and that's all that can exist. And that has I I know that Brian, true.
0: but they don't know that. Okay. They look well, at it and they're like, "This is an Epiphany or Mono Green." This format looks great. And there's like some white weenie decks. Let's go. As long
1: as everyone's happy. That's all I care about.
0: Okay. Well, then let's obfuscate the truth from them. And... (laughs) The key to happiness, actually. Obfuscation of truth. In a lot of instances, because the the truth usually kind of sucks. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't. And then then we can spread that truth, maybe. I'm down for that. Anyway, uh, another announcement. Uh, Stranger Things businesses and happenings uh you are going to carry this cuz I don't really have anything to say all
1: right i, I have two things to say this is going to be real brief uh all right three things i don't really care that they're making this if this is an important product for you good i'm happy you get this i hope people a lot of a lot of people out there enjoy this there is something with the pipeline from production to release that is rendering these things not timely enough. I could see Stranger Things being a big deal three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Is it now? I mean, I know I'm kind of like out of touch old man. So I'm I'm going to ask you other out of touch old man, Jerry. Is Stranger Things a big thing right now? My read is no.
0: My read is also no. It's not it's like season one of stranger things was like how squid game is now. Right. Yes. It's just like, yes. everyone's talking about it. It's a huge part of the zeitgeist. If you could drop that, that secret layer or whatever, you know, in that moment, gangbusters, mm-hmm. right. It's just, it's all over, but you know, two seasons later, they're fine seasons, right. If you enjoyed the first season, you, you may enjoy season two and season three, but it's not, it's not as novel anymore Mm. we've already done this song and dance so it it took a while and i don't think it was like oh in the middle of season one was started getting this rolling it's like the secret layers weren't even happening then yet right so i would think that in the future maybe they will be more on top of this uh i
1: hope so i think that matters for the success of these things i will say that just like buzz wise on this again just one out of touch old man's impressions don't take this as gospel but looking at like twitter looking at our discord very little discussion of this that i've seen not even like bad discussion just not that many people who are talking about it at all
0: it's not even like you know we're, we're three seasons removed basically from all when this was all the hotness right it's like the last year and a half was like two decades long also yes, <laughs> so yes that's true season 1 of stranger things feels so far away right
1: it definitely does um all right now i want to talk about the actual cards sure i don't think they matter like the concern with walking dead was like oh these cards might be good i don't see any of that happening here but i do have some questions so you, you have seen all of Stranger Things. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I only watched it once. Right. And I was probably doing something else because that's just what I do. ADHD and all that. But uh, I, I feel like whatever you're about to say, I could probably get the reference, I okay, suppose.
1: Because I've only seen season one. I haven't okay. seen season two or three. So I'm, go- I'm going to say some stuff and it, I don't know if it's actually true. Do,
0: do they refer to Eleven as a mage? Well, no, that wasn't the core of my question, but it is
1: 11 based. So I'm going to read this card. The card is 11 the Mage. It's one Carlos and a Grixis, so blue, black, red, legendary creature, human, wizard. Your maximum hand size is 11. Whenever 11 the Mage attacks, you draw a card and you lose one life. Then, if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand without paying its mana cost friends forever which i believe is just a rephrasing of the partner mechanic yeah, yeah partner um and then it is a three five creature
0: oh uh mm. is it what was the question going to be like do they ever reference the number 11 do they yes. ever seem like is yes. that isn't, actually significant isn't no. her name just
1: 11 like that's it that's okay. it Oh, that is the core of my question. So,
0: it's not like yeah, her her magical abilities are based on the properties of the number 11. No, it's it, it has nothing to do with anything. I also like maybe maybe they refer to her abilities as magic at some point, but I don't remember that. Uh, So like calling her a mage and like a wizard and it's like, whatever. That's the like, I
1: can let that slide because you have to like shoehorn it into this world. So if you're going to do this stupid thing, you have to make some of those leaps anyway.
0: And they're going to reskin it at some point. So having it be a human wizard may be relevant, whatever. Sure. The the 11 stuff, though, I'm just
1: like this. This borders on like almost a mean criticism. I tried not to keep my. Criticism. I try and keep them just surface level and and not mean and attack the person who was tasked with making this card because this is like an impossibly stupid task. Like if someone came to me and like design eleven, I'd be like, why? And they they're like money, and that's the end of it. And I'm like, okay, here's here's my eleven. Please leave me alone now.
0: Yeah, it's just like how how much are you getting paid for this job? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I
1: I don't I don't want to be too harsh, but this feels like the type of magic card where if you were like doodling in your notebook in seventh grade and asked to make it 11 you'd be like well it has to reference 11 all over the card it's got to be an 11 11 and should cost 11 mana
0: yeah so what happens when they reskin the card and it just references the number 11 a bunch you're just like what i mean that that kind of like makes more more sense than it being tied to this character who has
1: no relation to the number 11 whatsoever except for the name and that's the thing that just jumped off the page also like being a three five felt weird to me Because, like, sure, Eleven, again, only seeing the first season is, like, powerful, but not, like, hardy and resistant to a bunch of damage. And I I don't know. The whole thing feels very weird and cash-grabby, but that is what this is. And if you like these cards, I don't mean to dampen your enthusiasm. Please enjoy uh, partnering, or excuse me, Friends forevering up Chief Jim Hopper and Eleven the Mage in your Commander games and do whatever uh, that leads you towards.
0: Yeah, I I feel like she's more well known for just like killing stuff too. But whatever,
1: you know. Egos.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Ego tokens, food tokens. There you go.
1: <laughs> Fruit tokens. Yeah. I'm surprised we skipped that one, but I mean, I would rather see that than eleven, honestly. Just just regardless. wait for the
0: secretist layer.
1: Yeah, that'll that'll be great. Anything else? No, that ends my spiel about Stranger Things.
0: Yeah. Uh, I. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mentioned the major thing where it's like I don't know if they mentioned it. I guess I don't remember if they mentioned this. I don't remember it, but I'm not positive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe people are gonna tell us we're stupid and it has a lot to do with the lore or whatever. But I doubt I, it.
1: I I thought she was like the eleventh experiment in that right whatever facility yeah. that she was broken out of. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. Please, Stranger Things experts. DM me, correct me, let me know where I'm wrong.
0: Nah, don't do that to me.
1: Right, DM Cedric Phillips. Cedric A. Phillips on Twitter. Let him know what you think about Eleven. He's dying to hear about it.
0: And Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitch. He's he's on
1: every platform. You just find him anywhere. You reach out, you'll hit Cedric Phillips. So just go ahead, message him all about Eleven. He loves that stuff.
0: Twitch.tv streaming Midnight Hunt drafts. He currently has 22 trophies on Magic Online. No Twice as many
1: as 11, just so you know.
0: Oh, good call. All right. Standard time. What would you play this weekend? Mono white. It is. Okay. What if it was online? Does it matter mm-hmm. that I know that you bought the deck in foil? Mono white. So clearly you're locked into playing it in real life, but online, dude.
1: Yeah. Mono white.
0: No, I it's a good so. deck. It's a good
1: deck. I, I think it's very good. Uh, I think. As I mentioned, if you have a read on the metagame, you can customize it. Now you're using a very small set of tools to customize it. Uh, things like Guardian of Faith gives you your sweeper protection, but it, it's, it's backbreaking. I mean, like the well-timed Guardian of Faith can blow out your sweeper-based opponent and leave them with no recourse because your clock is so good. And that's the thing, like, these are all small little edges you get But you don't need a lot because your clock is so resilient, so strong, uh, so fast, can be evasive in a bunch of instances. So you only need these little speed bumps and, you know, adjusting the number of Brutal Cathars versus Skyclave Apparitions can matter a bunch. Deciding whether you're playing Redain in the main deck is worth a lot all these small adjustments that if you feel like you have a really good read on the metagame you can get a few more percentage points and i think your baseline percentage points are already good that's the thing that really drives mono white is you're just consistent super consistent very good clock and then if you make the right calls you're pushing this deck to some really good win rates and the data is also just like hard skewed towards this deck. Every single time I see one of those stupid square charts, it's got mono white off the charts. And I, I was skeptical. I think a lot of it, I was just leaning towards, you know, this is an easier deck to play and it's benefiting from not being the focal point of the format, which I, I think is still true.
0: No, it's definitely true. Uh,
1: but at the same time, it's got protection. It's got protection because Alvaron's Epiphany is out there. And the, the ways I would challenge this mono white deck, I I think they get eaten up by Alrin's Epiphany really, really hard. And that's going to serve this deck very well until the moment where you just have to respect it. And then I think you're going to try and see, you know, maybe a mono black comeback or even you can look at things like, is it uh, is it dragons and not necessarily out the Alrin's Epiphany list as a way to challenge this deck a little bit more effectively. But I think ultimately all that stuff is going to get pushed back down and there should be space for this deck. And certainly this week I'd be very comfortable playing mono white.
0: There's a period of time where people were like how oh, play a couple Cinderclasms just cause like, who knows, you know, and now it's like, now nah, play, play one main deck max out in your sideboard, just actually respect the deck and you should be fine. Cause it is out there. It is a sizable portion of the metagame. It's a good deck and you have to respect it. Uh, another note, Guardian of Faith is a card that when it came out, I started putting in my deck list and like, it didn't really seem like other people were. And it was the exact type of card where it serves a role, but it doesn't do it very well. And you're just like, well, I still kind of have to keep playing it because there's nothing else. And it's cool that people are coming around on it now, even though it kind of sucks
1: yeah well like we said you you have tools but they're not great ones and if that's the way you're forced you're going to do it every single time if it, it wins you the game that's what it's all about w's and this card puts a lot of w's on the board when your opponent especially when your opponent is relying on five mana sweepers that's the whole thing is like you mentioned Cinderclasm. okay Cinderclasm. You know that can still do work before this card is ready. Its timing is really flexible, which is huge. If you're trying to burn down the house and answer this white deck. Guardian of Faith will eat you up, like it will destroy you, and that's a really vulnerable position to be in.
0: Yeah, I remember a match I played on Arena that did feel real nice. Where like my Guardian of Faiths were trading with sodcomings and stuff like that. Uh, just like you know, flash threat into their turn. Sure. Type yeah, of scenario, nothing wrong with that. Where it's like, I had a little bit of pressure and then had the guardian in case they had a sweeper and then was just like, just start trading it for like the mana on their turn. And it was yeah. like, this is the best this card has ever been.
1: <laughs> Every now and then it can still impress. And uh, that's, I, I think like, I feel that way about all of these sideboard cards, like Curse of Silence. This card is silly it's it really is silly but like pushing your opponent off a key spell when especially when you know it's coming due to your elite spellbinders uh and then turning this into a resource when you're finally done with it it's big it fits the mono white game plan i can't tell you how many times i've named like gold span dragon which is it's weird it's not really what you would expect this card to do but with perfect information again that can be a game breaking effect and when you have a really good clock you don't need much to really break the game open
0: Okay, so what is different about your white aggro deck versus other folks? Uh, Not much,
1: not much. I I think I lean a little bit harder uh, away from Redain and towards the Brutal Cathar, Skyclave Apparition. My current list is Brutal Cathar mains, all four Skyclave Apparition on the sideboard just to break open any type of aggro mirror. Uh, Having access to the full eight of these three uh three mana creatures that can kill another creature it makes these games laughable if your opponents don't have access to that so mono green the mono white mirror i feel very favored with that configuration because i think a lot of people are getting away from that and then it's just a lot of stolen tech from the folks who played mono white at worlds uh what's what's the stupid dungeons and dragons card with the silly name that is modal and doesn't do much but i really really like Something about a road. Yeah. Come upon a road. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like plus, bounce
0: bounce a creature that you bounce control. Bounce your
1: creature and plus one, plus three. So you get a little bit of sweeper protection. You get like, basically you're doing the snakeskin veil effect against, you know, dragon's fire, any kind of damage based spot removal. I remember and that's good.
0: I remember seeing that in the list. And I was like, what matchup is that even for? Is it, it does it counter a fight in most instances? It
1: can. Yep, yeah, that's a completely fine usage for it i think the sizing can matter uh in mirrors even the fact you can get rebuys on your uh brutal cathars or protect them you know to get the removal again but especially skyclave apparition once that is in it can make a really big difference elite spellbinder is another great target and like you're not doing these things because you have these combos like that's not the purpose you're trying to set this up but the fact that your snakeskin veil your one mana removal counter spell also has those synergies that you can work towards in the late game. The card has earned its spot as far as I'm concerned. And I, I didn't think that was the case when I first read it, I was like, there's gotta be something better. No, there's not, there's not a lot of good options, but you make the best out of what you have and you end up with a really good package.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was mostly looking at it like they blizzard brawl their four, four on my brutal Cathar. And I have this card. I don't even really think it does anything.
1: Scoop that brutal Cathar up. Use it again on the next turn. I mean, it's it's That's not the so ideal bad. scenario, but <laughs> like you, you. First of all, this is exactly the card I'm talking about, Brian. If your concern is Mono Green, your head's in the wrong place. Like you're fine. In that I matchup. know. I'm talking about in
0: the context of Worlds when I when I saw it in the list. That was Sure, sure. And you know,
1: I guess like it's a prediction of the field. I think in on the whole, Worlds maybe overcompensated a little bit towards the green side of things. They did. And for sure. That has some interesting ripple effects, but like I said, I don't even think like this card is what I'm looking for in green. I I love it against the the red decks, really countering a dragon's fire, getting a rebuy on your elite spellbinder protecting a key spell like say uh Redane if Redane's in a spot where it's really effective, that's that's all good all enough to push you to victory. Again, when your clock is really good. So Okay. Sorry. I know it's not the sexiest option. You're not going to be thrilled to play it. I'm never going to argue it's a great magic card, but you find the tools you need, especially when we're in a, a short standard. You know, not a lot of cards in this standard right now. We're only playing one color. So I would say that the thing that has ultimately pushed me away from mono green and towards mono white is that I feel like I can make some really strong sideboard plans with mono white that are. I, f- I feel like the aggressor, basically, in the matchup. I feel like my the questions I'm asking my opponents with my mono-white deck are better than what they're asking me, whereas on the green side, I had to answer their questions. I had to find ways around what they were doing, and that's why, like, maxing Snakeskin veil was how I was answering things like Fading Hope. Well, in this case, my creatures are... A little bit cheaper, uh, they have comes into play abilities. So I'm I'm naturally answering fading hope, and I get to be the one answering the questions or asking the questions in the post board games.
0: No, that makes sense. And I think that those are good reasons to play the deck in general. That and the fact that
1: I uh, I haven't been playing as much since the ladder reset this month, uh, mostly because like I'm I was high in the format now I'm medium on it. I I don't think I've lost. With the mono white deck, like I am pushing up towards high diamond now. And that's not because I've played a lot of games. I I just don't think I've lost a game, honestly, not one. (laughs) And at some point, you're just going to be, like, well, I'm winning all the time. So stick with it.
0: Yeah, you're uh, I don't know. You're just like consistently much further in the ladder than I am.
1: Well, this is this is based on. Actually, going to Mythic last month.
0: Yeah, so you, you, only
1: getting reset to Platinum.
0: Yeah, you start a little bit higher than me, and I guess you're playing white aggro, whereas I'm playing like these random blue decks on my phone, which takes a while. Yes. So all yes. all these things maybe add up, but I don't know. It's it is it is interesting to me. I'm uh, you know, I've I've played with a lot of the epiphany decks, and I started. Merging them once the worlds list came out, I mm-hmm. had like an Is it Lear deck that looked pretty good, and uh, since then there uh, th- the Saturday I think during worlds there was an SCG tournament that Danny Jessup went five one with Demir, and I've been playing his deck. I'm writing about it this week, and that deck's pretty good too. But yeah, the game's the game's going until I like turn fifteen, you know, dude. You you've you've played some Demir Lear decks in your day. Oh, I've played basically
1: this deck. I mean, this was very close to what I was playing early on in the format. Uh, The changes you have made getting away from Memory Deluge going towards uh, Behold the Multiverse. I support that. Uh, Things like the Celestis making the main deck support that as well. I think just has proven itself as a good tool for control. Um, But a, a lot of what I'm looking at in your list, we were... We're just on the same page like this is basically where I started Uh, the biggest addition, of course, go blank. I think that was some key tech that I was never going to find. uh, But playing that in conjunction with Lear is is a game changer for sure.
0: Well, you didn't really need it either.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: When when Epiphany started popping up, I was playing go blank in, in some of my decks, but I wasn't going like that hard on it. It was like, oh, I play two, maybe three. In uh like the Model Black Snow deck, where I was like, oh, I need like a, a big sideboard plan, right? And mm-hmm. and this this list is like, yeah, play a main deck and sideboard the other copies or whatever. It's like, okay, damn, going hard.
1: Yeah, but it makes sense given how important uh the card has become, how good it is at holding down the Epiphany decks and keeping them resource light, and just like a a new setup of endgame with Lear. Like when I was building the first Lear deck, my end game was answer every creature that was being played and that's fine Uh, you still have to do that and your deck is still set up to do that for sure Uh, but there are new concerns and you know i had gotten as far as main deck duress to counter epiphany and other control decks but once you are like this is a huge percentage of the metagame go blank main is completely correct Uh, no question about it
0: until you play against mono white that is less uh, good.
1: You, you hope it does something. Like it's obviously not there for the matchup, but it's it's never completely dead, right? Like you can snagging those last two cards can matter.
0: It technically trades with their cards, but that's not the issue. It's always about you know winning on board, basically. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, but you have plenty of options uh, in postboard games. You know, you've got two more crippling fears, a blood chief, there's the soul shatter, shadows verdict, all this stuff in your sideboard where you can just do the shift. Stop worrying about their hand and worry about the battlefield.
0: Respect. I respect the mono white. Got to do it. That's Gotta why do I, it. I have many, many crippling fears. Uh, deck is cool. Maybe not the best deck in the format, but like my list, like the place where it's at. I uh, could see playing mono white or is it dragons instead? Perfectly
1: reasonable options. So why don't we talk about our new world champion a little bit? uh fairies master Yuta takashi now just master I'll, i'm done with fairies just absolute master uh kind of an off the beaten path choice played an older deck and just didn't lose a match of standard the entire time
0: yeah O3 in draft and i i don't know if this was like purposeful or accidental but being able to O3 and still win the tournament is awesome structure yeah so i agree with that that is definitely cool it is awesome to see it happen just an absolute badass and 10-0, yeah, casually in standard with Is it Dragons? And I don't know. I, th- I think that A, his list was good, and B, people just weren't really prepared for Goldspan Dragon.
1: Yep. And that was the biggest takeaway from the tournament. Was Goldspan Dragon was so well set up.
0: Yeah, it's still good. Yep. Uh, the Mono Green decks shaved on Rand Seven, which definitely helps Goldspan's cause, right? Yep. And I think that that makes sense because you want to get a little leaner both in, against is it and in the mirror matches. And uh yeah, I don't know like people just like didn't have answers. Obviously there were no black decks really in the field. There's the the Grixis decks that had like a Soul Shatter or something, but like that card's not seeing any play so like if you want to trade with this card, they're going to get a pretty sizable mana advantage from it usually. So that that definitely uh, bodes well for them and then it's just proactive and that's kind of where you want to be and there aren't a lot of things that stop it like Andre had two tests of talents where you know in in other versions of Epiphany before that you might see like disdainful strokes or something right but you know you just move away from answers to Goldspin Dragon and suddenly it starts looking really good because it's just untouchable
1: Yeah, and that's the way the game's played out in many instances. Goldspan Dragon on the table for many turns and just playing a huge role in turning the corner, uh, pressuring opponents immediately. And I don't know. I mean, like, do you you predict a full resurgence for this deck now? Is it just another part of the metagame? Or was this a small field type situation where things had gotten a little inbred and focused on beating Mono Green? So there was a hole for this deck to step through. I, I I really don't know where we fall going forward in the next few weeks.
0: I think you can look at it as a separate entity or as a different option uh, or a different version of the normal is Epiphany decks. And I th- I think for me, it's easier to just look at it as a different Epiphany deck because it's, it's playing a lot of the same cards. And yeah. Many of the things that the Epiphany decks have to do to keep up with Mono Green and Mono White, the Is it Dragon's deck is also doing. Where you know, like you just play Smoldering Egg, it, it blocks and eventually transforms. It potentially wrecks your opponent's battlefield, and things like Burn Down the House are not necessarily as good against those decks because they have things like Faceless Haven or uh, Seeker's Chariot. In the Mono White case, like Guardian of Faith, maybe. Yep. So just having ways that are uh proactive to be good against those decks is just a better place to be than trying to be super reactive and goldspan dragon is just a step forward. And we even saw like Andre have two copies of Goldspan in his sideboard, right? So yep. like he's already making those steps and Takahashi just, you know, maybe accidentally. Yeah. I I don't know if it was purposeful or not, but yeah, he just went further with it. And that was where you wanted to be.
1: Yeah, I think a a great, great deck building call. Uh, beautiful play as well. So a very deserving world champion without a doubt.
0: Worth noting too that he had four memory deluge in his deck, which is a little bit clunky. And I definitely saw instances of him, you know, not having double blue for it and stuff like that. So it's not perfect, but when you know that your goldspan dragon is going to live, and you're just gonna end up with a bunch of treasures and maybe getting double mana off those treasures too. Right. That's the perfect card to have, right? Because it just always keeps gas in the tank.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where this format started, right? Is you just got to do these things. You got to have your Goldspan Dragon. And most of my list at that point were for Memory Deluge because wow, is the payoff massive once you're flashing this back. At some point, the format adjusted and you weren't expecting to keep around Goldspan Dragon forever. As soon as you go back to a place, though, where they're just there ready to do their thing, yeah, make, make the shift back to Deluge. Uh, like you said, I, I think like there should always be some consideration of splits between Behold the Multiverse, Memory Deluge. It looked like a, just a really hard four Memory Deluge. We're done with Behold. I, there's there's merit to Behold without a doubt, uh, but there's got to be careful consideration of what tool is better. And I, I do like the call to just be like, my stuff's going to survive. I'm going to have mana. Let's do the best version possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he's expecting to play a bunch of Blue Mirrors that go long and both players are kind of scared to act then deluge is obviously better than behold. But I don't know. I, this is also a little bit different since I'm playing Demir instead of is it, but what I found was that there are often turns and this is kind of why go sucks too, where you have to spend your mana removing a thing. Otherwise it's going to kill you, right? Like in, uh, an adeline or something, mm-hmm. it's the battlefield and you don't have the mana to just like, Oh, you know, Spend my turn deluging. It's like, no, you're going to get attack for 10 or whatever. You have to like play your Infernal Grasp or whatever. And then maybe you have something else to do with that mana. Maybe you don't. But like, you really need to get to a turn where you just have four mana available. And like, that's not really possible. So I have enjoyed splitting in that deck because it means that you get to weave your mana a little differently. And then there's stuff like, you know, you get to play Celestis and immediately use the mana and, and things like that. So it does make you a little bit weaker. Against like opposing blue decks, opposing black decks to some degree. Uh, I mean, I, I think more often than not, my flashback deluges have been divided by zeroed. But mm. that also means that kind of like clears the way for Lear anyway. But right, yeah, right. timing matters a
1: bunch in that scenario, so but yeah, I'm it, usually willing to accept that.
0: Yeah, in in the context of the is it deck when they're using it to dig for something like burn down the house or whatever. I think it's fine to just be like, well, yeah, just let their creature stick and then I'll dig for my big sweeper and hopefully things will be fine. But I I think a lot of the same stuff applies. You have a bunch of two mana removal spells. You have smoldering egg that you want to play proactively. And in the postboard games, it's mostly like cinder class and that you're trying to use to clean up everything. So I, I think that being able to weave in behold and not have to spend four mana entirely on deluge is, gonna come up a lot so if you feel like you can afford to split those numbers to some degree i probably would i don't know if it's like three deluge one behold or like two two or something like that i think that deluge is more powerful certainly but yep. i think i think that you want to like trim on that mana curve a little bit you know see these are these are good puzzles to solve i, I like this i, ju-
1: I just wish there's that one oh uh, never mind i said i wouldn't go back to it i wouldn't go back to it i'm done talking about it this is a good format. That's all I have to say. Good. The
0: thing that is good about this is that you have multiple options for cards that roughly accomplish the same thing, which makes deck building interesting. Yes. So when we only had Glimmer or Chemist's Insight or Illumination or even Behold, it's just it's boring. It's like, well, obviously I need some amount of draw twos in my deck. So you just play like three or four of this card and you're done with it. but the interesting stuff for me, and it's not just about card draws or whatever. Like, you can say the same about removal, removal. spells in oh, a lot absolutely. of instances. Yeah. And it, this is certainly more apparent in the Demir deck than it is in the Is it deck, because it's like, well, you play Dragon's Fire because you have Goldspend Dragon in your deck. So this thing can maybe hit for four damage, which is relevant, right? But in, in Demir, it's super interesting between, like, you know, Flunk, Infernal Grass, Bloodchief's Thirst, Soul Shatter, Power Word Kill, like those are interesting decisions. And that's not even talking about like the sweepers and stuff. And I I do really love that.
1: So I, I, I think your threat decisions are interesting. I think your removal decisions are interesting. I think your card draw decisions are interesting. The only thing that's not interesting is the top end. What is going to be the closing right. thing? What's the biggest thing you can do? Right. If only there is some way we could alter that, but we can't this there's, is the format we're playing yeah so. there's
0: not really anything bigger and if things can't beat that instance of the big thing then they can't play correct which is the problem
1: you get it why am i i don't know why i'm spending my time trying to convince you you get it
0: you what know. if what if dragons existed just didn't have epiphany right it's still it's still a very good deck yeah and instead the black decks could be like well i'm gonna play a lot of soul shatters to beat Goldspan dragon and i have like blood on the snow to beat these aggro decks and like we just have an extra deck in the format. Wouldn't that interesting.
1: Be cool? That sounds interesting.
0: Sure does. Very interesting. Sure does. I don't know. Maybe maybe next month, Brian. I'm patient. I'm a patient guy. I can wait. Uh, I'll be around. I'm not going anywhere. How do you feel about Epiphany right now? Just in general, like I I think that we both can agree that being proactive is much better against aggro decks that exist. So we probably favor dragons versus pure Epiphany. But if you were going to play Epiphany, what what would you do? Uh, I, I think
1: you were onto something with your list that combined. So I think there was like a few pieces of really great tech that came out of worlds and the epiphany. Windfall. Windfall. Windfall was the one that stood out to me above all else. So it's just why I picked the is it version of epiphany to be the correct one. I don't really know how that played out. I mean the sample sizes are too small with the data anyway. I don't know how like the grixis versus is it thing played out. In playing the two two decks though, it's is it for me by miles. I think it just accomplishes everything the grixis deck can do in a less clunky fashion. Uh, so But that being said, I do think that the Grixis list had a really good piece of tech in Cyclone Summoner. Yep. I think that's just the way forward in the mono green matchup. I think it's acceptable in the mono white matchup as well. But but it's better when you're maxing Windfall and you got to mush all these ideas together. And then Leer is this really cool long game thing you can do against these aggro decks as well, where you're able to just leverage these fading hopes in the late game. So mush it all together. Get some Leers in there. Get some Cyclone Summoners in the sideboard. Get max Windfall, max Iteration. And then you're talking about the is it deck that I want to be playing this weekend. And I think it'll still be very, very good and has plenty of room to maneuver.
0: With max Iteration, play at least two Demon Bolts, probably three.
1: I agree. Demon Bolt has been very impressive, cleans up a lot of the problems, uh, hits everything, basically. So you, you can certainly afford that.
0: Yeah, and just none of your removal allows you to uh, Galvanic iteration on turn three and kill two things, really. So.
1: Yep. And then sideboard, I I might just honestly have the fourth Goldspan Dragons. That might be my move in a lot of spots, and I'd probably be pretty happy with it.
0: Yeah, same. But then it's like, well, why aren't we just playing dragons? And that's kind of why we think dragons is better right
1: i i don't know i don't know if i'm willing to make that call i think i i think that the perfectly built is it deck for a week will have a higher ceiling than the perfectly built dragons deck
0: i'm not talking about like a specific week i'm talking about this week though
1: but i i think if i nailed my is it epiphany deck for my expected metagame this weekend i would have a better deck than if i nailed my is a dragon's list. Now do I do I know authoritatively this is the correct way to have is it built for this weekend? No, I I do not. So uh I'm I'm simplifying the process. I'm assuming I have the perfect configuration I don't right now. If I were to find it, I have a feeling is it would still remain far ahead because it's uh th- these unexpected windfall turns and the amount of mana you can generate in a bunch of spots. It's it's so so ridiculous and we're talking about the rise of these other strategies, things like mono white, mono green, Demir. I just think there's a chance that people will go back to the well and be like, well, can I do this thing now? Is it safe? You, you I... will play
0: against Demir. Don't worry about that. I don't think anyone will play it.
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I've seen it picking up some steam for sure. And there's also like the Azorius stuff out there that is being played in higher numbers. Yeah, so. on
0: Magic Online especially.
1: Yeah, so there there are some changes that people are trying to make. I think they are ultimately going to prove to be unsuccessful. But this could be a week where they believe in themselves and some other stuff pops up. And in that case, I like just the raw brokenness of the Is It Epiphany deck.
0: So I would assume no Test of Talents main deck. It's a, no. A little too narrow in scope, given... Yes. Work. I think that was a world's thing. Yeah, and, uh, and it was good. A, a good call. Yep. But no, that wouldn't be
1: my move now. Uh, disdainful stroke, probably. If that, if I wanted a main deck counter spell, it'd probably be disdainful stroke. Uh, I, th- I think so. I think you just have you have to go down that road and be like, I am committed to beating mono white in my sideboard games, and I'm okay being a little bit soft there. But against everything else, it's probably the best tool right now.
0: Do you main deck
1: a Cinderclasm? I would have to look at my slots. I would like to. Okay. That's that's what I would say. But I I would have to configure my deck and see what I'm left with, what kind of space I'm left with.
0: Uh let us say you had infinite slots. What would your burn down the house cinderclasm split look like? Two one
1: is off the top of my head.
0: Okay. I support that. That, that
1: depends on a lot, but that's... I, I just don't think Burn Down the House is that good. It's kind of like a necessary evil right. where I, I want one floating around, but it it's not doing the same job it used to, and that's why we've moved away from, like, you know, the four Battle of Frost and Fireless, right. uh, all, all that stuff. Yeah. The format has moved around that. That is something a format can adapt to. It can account for things like Burn Down the House. I think Can't account for time walks.
0: I think I would do Three Fading Hope because it's, it's still solid, but not as effective against Mono White because their curve is lower. And I would probably want at least two Demon Bolts, possibly a third, mm-hmm. to go with four iterations. I don't know if the Cyclone Summoner stuff is good if Mono Green is not a huge portion of the format, but I don't know. I, I, if it were better against Mono White, then it would be different for me. But I, I just don't think it, that it's all that good.
1: I think it's acceptable against mono white. And there's no real reason for green to disappear from the metagame. That's that's the big thing. It's like, you know, Will Pulliam just won a, a PTQ with the mono green list. It it did completely fine everywhere else except worlds where it got kind of clowned, but it was it was hard focused at worlds, I think. And the deck is still extremely proactive, extremely strong. I, I don't I wouldn't expect it to be absent this week. That's for no, sure. no, it's
0: not going to be absent. It's just that it's not going to be 30, 40 percent of the field or right. whatever, because a lot of the people who would otherwise pilot it are now shifting to model white or is it dragons or whatever. So, yep, uh, it's it's going to be half as popular as it was before, if not less. Like yeah, less, and- less quantity.
1: That, that seems like something I still need to account for. Uh, so we'll have to see what the... Maybe you can go down in Summoners. You know, maybe you're only playing two Summoners now and you use that spot for an extra Cinder Clasm because you expect uh, more push towards towards White. Yeah. I, I'd be fine with that decision.
0: Yeah, and then it's just like once, once you're like, oh, I want to hard focus on on White, or at least you know, not hard focus, but like give it the respect that it's due and you're playing a decent amount of Cinder Clasms how good is cyclone summer actually going to be for you probably not very good
1: no no probably not definitely downgrades
0: yeah so i don't know i don't neither of us are going to play epiphany but it's like interesting to talk about because this is the deck with the most moving pieces i think
1: yeah yeah and it, it informs everything else around it like that's what decks do well will be a a direct result of how epiphany builds itself for this week i think
0: it's it's like a what the optimal epiphany deck looks like is a metaphor for what the metagame is going to look like
1: uh, spot on.
0: Yep. There you go. Anything else? Closing thoughts.
1: No, I'm out of thoughts. That That's going to be it for thoughts for the week. Uh, I'll try and make some more thoughts when we come back next week. Game. Good luck.